Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Welcome to another edition of Digital Voices. So excited because oftentimes I get to have friends who are guests, and that always makes it even more special just because it's an opportunity for us to catch up and and uh, my friend Craig Richardville uh, we've been we've been friends Craig for how long how long have we even known each other is like it goes back a long we're time going back away we probably won't say the number of years but yeah. uh, we're both a little seasoned but it, it, yeah it goes back a long time certainly yeah and, and we would catch up at conferences and we'd speak and I recall one time well we both were uh, very fortunate very blessed to be chosen by our peers to be uh, back when it was the John Gall Award, so it was a Hymns Chime Joint Award for CIO of the Year. Both of you, both of us, are recipients uh, within a couple of years of one another. Yeah. So, so I got I got bragging rights though because I think I was like uh, maybe one year before you or two years <laughs> before you. But you've been like CIO of the Year for like uh, a lot of different organizations and lo- in your state when you were in North Carolina, and um, you're just an amazing leader. And those accolades are there because you know you've done great things and you've raised up great leaders and you continue to do cool things. Craig, one of the things that everyone wants to know is what's on your playlist. So what kind of music do you like to listen to? Boy, that's such a a great icebreaker. So um, for me, as opposed to maybe what's on it in terms of songs, I'm going to touch on some artists and eras. So I grew up in the classic rock days. So for me, it's uh, classic rock is probably the foundation of my music and I was born in, in Detroit area so when you look at some of the things that's come out of there with Motown with Temptations and Four Tops that's always kind of riddles through uh, my playlist so I've got the classic stuff I got the Stones, Led Zeppelin, Sticks, Elton John, Motown but I have grown um, and I think you'll <laughs> see that through some of our uh, talks so I, I, I love rap uh, I've seen uh, Jay Z, I've seen Eminem, I've seen um, Kanye West all perform live. Uh, I've got their music and Tupac's and mine, and I really love the era around grunge. So the Allison Changes of the World and Soundgarden, yeah. and uh, I'm starting now coming out west, learning country. So I'm, I think <laughs> Ed, you've grown into being a country fan, and and yeah. uh, and I'm learning uh, that. So I got a few tunes kind of plugged in there, and. Every now and then I'll have that. So really it's a wide variety. And and for me, it's never a replacement. It's more additive. So my playlist just gets larger and larger and larger. No, that's good. I, I'm not surprised that that you're that well-rounded. And I'm sure the influence, right? You have, uh, is it three boys that you have? I three do. men. Yeah, I have three sons, three great sons. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure they've, they've influenced uh, some of the music uh, there along the way as well. They have. So tell us about your passion or is there a life message or mantra, something, words that you live by? Yeah, you know, there's a few things that I always kind of bring myself uh, down to earth for. Uh, One is uh, to be a student for life. Uh, I I always believe you should stay curious, learn. Uh, Once you think you know the answers, uh, it's probably time to sunset. And I certainly have a lot more growth uh, in my career. So I'm really looking to listen and learn from others. Um, that kind of ties along to the old classic saying, why God gave you, you know, two ears and one mouth. You know, it, right. it really is really nice to sit back and listen and enjoy the conversation. Don't be the first one always to jump in. Don't be the loudest. Don't be 
one that takes up uh, the most time, but really help understand your thought process and to be able to think on the fly like that. You know, one thing that I know is, is true for both of us is being a parent is really important. And, uh, and you can take a lot of things between your personal and professional life for those that have children or those that are managers. There's a lot of similarities between growing your children, allowing them to flourish, forcing them or allowing them to be better than yourself. That's where you want it to be. And professionally, it's the same way with the people that you've been able to grow and develop to watch them flourish and uh, this organization or other organizations. It's really nice to be proud that you kind of brought that, you know, into this world. Yeah. Well, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, uh, your kids are amazing. Uh, I've met yeah. a couple of them. I actually worked with uh, one of your, your young men and yeah, they're, they're just a yeah. great testimony to, uh, to your, to your leadership and to your fatherhood, mm-hmm. I guess is how you'd put it. So right. that's cool. Tell us a little bit about your professional story. So we know already born in Detroit um, and today you're part of, uh, I didn't even mention it. Uh, I think everyone knows already, but you're senior vice president uh, and chief digital and information officer at Intermountain Healthcare. Uh, so we know professionally and you know, you're know you known for innovation, health equity, as I mentioned, digital health, transformation, value-based care. Uh, but tell us a little bit about you know Det- growing up, Detroit, and then how'd you get into healthcare tech and to where you are today? Yeah, so a little bit about myself. So born and raised in Michigan, um, my dad was a Marine and then became an auto worker. Uh, my mom, I like to call her survivor. She uh, recently passed away in, in, uh, in September, but um, she really has, has just, just amazing uh, life and one that I cherish to have been part of and I learned so much from her. She's, she had four boys, so she survived having four boys. Um, <laughs> she always worked hard. She's many times growing up, she had three jobs going on. She, you know, wasn't thoroughly educated. And so she had to take on a few different jobs to help pay the bills and to help raise four boys. Um, I had one brother that was killed uh, by a drunk driver. So she survived that of losing a son, which I can't even imagine being a parent, what that would feel like Mm. for her and my dad have gone through that. And then after she raised the children, she really, she started her career. So she got her nursing degree late in life. She got her bachelor's when she was 50, her master's when she was 55, and she worked until she was 84. So wow. she just really just had a, an amazing, several great chapters in life. Um, personally, my parents got divorced when I was 17. Um, I went on to school in Michigan and in Ohio. Um, professionally, after getting um, my uh, undergraduate degree, uh, I ended up getting my graduate degree and I worked at uh, Marathon Oil Company. That's why I started in industry that way, jumped into ProMedica. And the, really the reason that I got into healthcare was when I was with Marathon Oil Company, I was working toward my graduate degree, but I traveled a lot. Uh, I actually went to Denver. We had five crude oil offices and I would travel to those different offices down in Texas, uh, Wyoming, here in Colorado, Illinois. And, uh, and I kept having to drop my classes. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I need to go work for somewhere where travel is not required. And at that time, you know, most of healthcare was certainly very local. So I started at the Toledo Hospital, 800 bed hospital in Ohio, then ended up becoming ProMedica Health System when I was there. And I grew into being the uh, VP of IS. So I've got my um, undergraduate technical degree, and then I got a graduate business degree. And uh, that's how it kind of kind of formed it. And then from, as you stated, from ProMedica, spent 10, 11 years there, I went to Atrium Health. 
uh, down in North Carolina. And at Atrium, when I got there, we were three hospitals. Um, so a system. Uh, and when I left in 20 years later, we were 42. So I've wow. been to a lot of different sized organizations as you have in, in your career by staying under one umbrella. I really got a lot of diversity. Some of those were owned, some were leased, some were managed, uh, multi-state. So really just a great way for me to get a lot of good experience there. And uh, also as the CIO continues to develop, I also was the analytics officer there. And then uh, took a year hiatus and came to SCL Health where I took on the uh, digital responsibilities as well as the CIO role. Yeah, and then then you merged with uh, Intermountain, and you you emerged from that as the overall chief digital senior vice president, chief digital and uh, information officer, uh, and and yeah, and you're all expanding as well. Can you share a little bit about sort of the growth of of Intermountain for those who might not know? You know, because I think for a long time it was sort of like this hidden gem, you know, in Utah, but it's way bigger than that. I mean, a tremendous growth in the last few years. Yeah, they have. Um, Intermountain has a great story. As, as you mentioned, they have a history of being um, very high quality. They have a history of being very innovative, uh, just things that they've been able to do within their environment that many organizations did not have that capability. And, and many learned from what they were doing. Uh, part of what they're, they're, they started to do several years ago was really focus on value. You know, we've talked about it for 20 years, but we're still primarily volume based as an industry. But value is near and dear. And they really want to set the bar for what a value based organization will look like. So there's a very successful health plan. There's a lot of focus that we have with uh, prevention, uh, early detection. Uh, a lot of those things, filling care gaps are things that will lead us into a value based organization as part of that growth. You know, they wanted to expand beyond the current environment. So they looked at one point at a relationship with Sanford Health uh, that fell through. When that fell through, that's when SCL and, and uh, Intermount started to talk. And during that time and just prior to, they um, acquired some assets in Idaho, uh, down in Nevada, and started to spread you know, the good work that they were doing in some of the contiguous states. SCL Health was a great addition because we were in a, uh, some competitive markets, certainly Denver, very competitive, uh, as well as had a lot of rural up in uh, Montana and Wyoming and had just removed some assets in Kansas and California. And so we were very, um, very streamlined and our states lined up with each other. A very little yeah. overlap, less than 5% of our patients were seen by both systems. So we thought we could take the best of both of those organizations and even create a a better, newer, you know, one Intermountain organization. So well, that's what we're, we're going through now. Integration, if people have been through it. And um, as I mentioned at, at Atrium Health, going from three to 42, we had a lot of M&A activity over those 20 years. Uh, so I'm used to it. And, and the change I actually really, um, I enjoy. And so going through these integration efforts and creating what the new organization will look like and being part of that, which would mean that I will own some of the outcomes that comes from it. Uh, really kind of gets me up every morning uh, and keeps me up at night. I mean, I just enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, no, you were the perfect person in this role because of that experience at Atrium. And there weren't too many people at the time that had that exp all that M&A experience. And, and now it's accelerating in SCL and Intermountain, great example. And, and, you know, you've been there, done that so many times. So 
Uh, that's very cool. You're also, Craig, when I think about, when I look out over all the CIOs and CDOs, chief digital officers, uh, you're one of you're one of them that made us very successful transition. So, and as you know, right, the CIO role you've spoken about this before is is changing, and it's requiring you know a lot more business acumen and and things like that, clinical understanding. Uh, but the digital part is something new, and, and some of our peers were success are successful in the transition. Some some aren't, but you are. And and I think it goes back to the experience you described at Atrium, where you were also that had the analytics piece. So what? What would you rec? You know, what advice would you have for CIOs today that are interested in also becoming chief digital officer? Because it's better than, as you know, having someone else come in. Sometimes it's better uh, to have that alignment within one person. Uh, what would be some advice that you you would give someone to help them prepare for that transition? Yeah, I uh, you know some of it is opportunistic. You just gotta be in the right place at the right time with the right organization who's looking to make some of these uh, transitions. But I think in terms of preparing it, um, a big piece is to make sure that you understand the business uh, and you understand how healthcare continues to evolve. Um, Traditionally, the CIO role was very much an expense center. You know, we we kind of reported into the CFO and it was more about how to reduce the expenses. And then we grew and developed over time into being more involved with operations and workflow and applications started coming out. And so the COO role was really nice for that. And uh, in the last several years and and, uh, a little bit prior to that, it's really a differentiator. And as part of that differentiator moves into strategy, moves into the CEO suite and starting to see how can we make ourselves different than others. At the same time, we started seeing the industry evolve and where people were less upon um, uh, their insurers of where to gain service. You had you know, high deductible plans, you had other options. People were pulling money out of their pocket instead, some of that cost shifting between the employer and, and the employee within uh, all aspects of, of uh, our customers, our patients, um, gives you an option now to start focusing on the digital work on the consumer space. So those that are patients to make selections when they make decisions, how are they aware of your services? Uh, the convenience of the services, the quality of the services. And that's a piece that we do in our daily life. When you go out and buy a product or you're looking at hiring a service, you kind of look at reviews and you have to be engaged and you have to be aware. And there's certain things that kind of bring that to the attention. We've expanded the digital piece to be not only on the patient side, but any type of consumer. So our caregivers is a big part of our consumers. So we have a whole thing about robotic process automation and the efficiencies within how we deliver care, some of the uh, advanced intelligence work with like um, uh, natural language processing with like the ambient intelligent work with Nuance and Microsoft that interprets conversations, starts to really kind of take some of the bureaucratic work and some of the non-valued work away from humans and put that, let the machine do that kind of work. So in terms of preparation, I, I think it truly is making sure that you understand what's happening in your personal life and how you can take those same wins into your professional life within the healthcare industry and networking going across. So for me, you kind of have to start speaking the language of not of what a CIO is. And many CIOs have a more of a CTO background and, and that's not what it takes today. It's really focusing upon the business and healthcare delivery and uh, that is where the CIO, the CDIO, or the CDIO's focus needs to be. 
Yeah, those are excellent insights. Uh, like you were saying, and it's just sort of summarizing is you need to practice these things in your personal life and then bring them over to a professional life. So, so if you see something, something digital, something that you're doing automation or something in your normal, you know, your non-work life, you know, think about how that applies to professional life, the networking. And you're really good at that, Craig. And there's so many different opportunities for individuals to network. You got the typical ones like a chime or a hymns, uh, but more locally, uh, there's, you know, the, or the, the organization is as Orbeez. Is it called Orbe? Yeah, um, it's the Inspire CIO, and they have multiple yeah. chapters, and and the award yeah. is is called Orbe. But okay. you're but you're right, and I, you know, and and you know, just to kind of emphasize that point, that networking piece, there is a very tight networking within the CIO world and the CDO yeah. world within healthcare, but there's becoming even an equally tight type of opportunity outside of healthcare. And yeah. don't discount what you've done or what you're doing here because there's other industries that can certainly benefit from what you do. And plus the complexity of what yeah. you do and the outcomes of what we do is, is you know, sometimes life or death or quality of life yeah. versus what some of the other industries are. So it's a great mutual respect going back and forth and taking things that they've done, applying them within healthcare, and also offering to them the things that you've done to allow them to differentiate their companies within their own industries. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So Craig, we talked about how, you know, ProMedica, well, Marathon, ProMedica, Atrium, SEL, Intermountain, you've gone through a lot of change and you're thriving, right? It, each time you've, you've kind of, not that there's a, not that it's about, you know, the size or the prestige of an organization, but each time, you, you know, you, you took a step forward, if you will, in terms of uh, what you've been doing. Are there one or two things that you've practiced? Maybe it just happened naturally, but that you would give others uh, ideas on? Because I think some people struggle with change, right? If suddenly, oh my gosh, I've got to, you know, be part of this other organization, or you know, yeah. it's hard. But you've done it well. Uh, well, well, thanks. There's a, certainly a lot of successes and a lot of failures. And the thing that I would say is, is you know, obviously to learn from some of those failures. And as you as your company transitions or as you transition and continue to change, many things aren't just a lift and shift or a rip and replace, or I did this here, now I'm gonna you know, pick it up and stamp it right here. Uh, it's, it's all different, it's very situational. And, and you need to be able to understand some of the nuances with the new organization, whether it's the culture or whether it's the, um, uh, the customer base and the communities that you serve or whether whether it's the team that you've inherited or that you've developed, it's all going to be a, a slightly different. I think you've got to be open to that kind of change and being very alert to all the, the rough edges that are going to be out there so you can help smooth those out. But, you know, the, one of the things that I try never to say is, you know, I used to do this back when or <laughs> I did this before is like that is this isn't before. This isn't the same place that you came from. And last year isn't the same as this year. So those are all learnings, but you have to put it in present tense and preparation for the future changes that are coming. And if you go back to probably many careers of, of ours um, that are on this call, and certainly I think maybe you and I, some of the things in the early years didn't really change that much. It was very transitional. Yeah. Now it's transform transformational. Things are changing, constantly changing. And to be able to make that hard left or that hard right, um, you have to face some of those quote unquote fears and relearn how maybe how you were educated at the beginning to move from transitional to transformational and truly making a difference, you know, for your healthcare system, which eventually 
will hopefully change um, uh, our patients and our communities that we are privileged to serve. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. You know, it reminded me like when you were saying, don't be that person that says, well, the way I used to do it, that's the way we did it here, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, the, the other the other one that I I was taught by my CEO at Cleveland Clinic uh, that I report to, Tommy Holovic, he would say, you know, people would talk about the good old days. He says, there is no good old days. Tell me what the good old days were, you know, because everyone's like, remember when it was never that good. You know, we always <laughs> romanticize it, you know. Yeah. So that that's good. What about situations? So we were just describing situations where you're, you're taking on new things. You're, you know, you're, you've acquired new hospitals and things like that for, for colleagues that might need to look for a change, uh, look for a different organization, any, any different advice, maybe some of it's the same, but, um, you know, maybe people are stuck, um, and it's just time to change. Or maybe, you know, I took a couple calls this week just from colleagues who, uh, you know, we're in a downsized situation. You know, any advice for for those uh, individuals? You know, the, the only thing I would say in that space, uh, and, and it takes a little while, is is it's your career and it's your responsibility. Yeah. Um, you know, some people rely upon their manager or their director or their leader to help them guide or be positioned or to do things moving forward. Um, we create opportunities. We create opportunities to learn. We create opportunities to build your resume and round out your resume, but you own it. You've got to be the one that actually takes the action. And yeah. so for me, it's just more of don't, you know, don't, don't be part of this thing where you're just kind of following someone or something. Own it, embrace it, do your own thing. You know, I had a situation where um, I left an organization and the person who uh, was, I think, supposed to follow me, he mimicked a lot of what I did, maybe changed some of the terminology of what was being used, but he didn't like own it as this is now my seat. It was, yeah. I am taking Craig's seat. And, and that's not the right way to approach it. You really have to put your own fingerprints on your career, your fingerprints on your position. Don't do it the same as the person who was there before, because you're just going to be like, the same. You really want to differentiate yourself and, yeah. and put the new things in place, change some things that maybe weren't going well. Not everything was going great. So go ahead and make those changes, those shifts and own it yourself. So for me, it's it's more about not depending upon others. We learn yeah. from others. We all have several mentors in our career, but you have to own it. And then to your point about maybe making changes, if you want to go ahead and make a change, make it, but own it. You didn't force yeah. to leave somewhere. You didn't, you know, go gravitate somewhere. You didn't run from something. You went to yeah. something and it's your responsibility. Yeah, this is great stuff. Craig, I wish we had, you know, we could easily do a, a second podcast. I want to change a little bit now and focus on uh, leadership. Obviously, we've been talking leadership the whole time. You've been, yeah, I have at least uh, 15 uh, bullet points here of things that you've uh, already shared. But what about advice that people have given you? So you've been very mm. gracious in sharing sharing things, but what, what are some good things that people have told you and helped you with? Yeah, um, just a, maybe just a few things here. And some of these are really a differentiator between what a manager is versus what a leader is. And I do believe you have to start, at least for me, first as a manager and, and learn what a manager does. And then how do you lead people who either lead or manage? But doing more with less is really important. As you grow through your career as a manager, you, you start to look at uh, headcounts. You know, how many 
people do I have? How big is my budget? And you start building these little empires that you've got this, you know, the only way that you value yourself is on the size of what you're responsible for. And then as you start to transition to becoming a leader, you realize that's a lot of work. That's a lot of bureaucratic work. That's a lot of non-value work. And the more with less starts to come into play where you focus more on being influential, that you are respected and you've networked enough and you've built those relationships that I don't have to do your performance review. But now that I have influence about what's happening within the organization, you start to re- remove less. So the more that you can influence what's happening, because when you're a manager, it's more command and control. You kind of have to do what you say. They're, yeah. they're kind of taking their marching orders. But when you're among peers or among those that are in the hierarchy greater than you and you're able to add value, but they can just tell you no. It's just how there is yeah. to it. That's when you start learning that. Uh, and how your approach is and how you present things. And that's where you start taking the things of what you've learned and and uh, grew with and you turn it into the verbiage that they would understand it and, uh, and want to make decisions based upon that. So you start using their terminology versus your terminology. You become less technical and truly more as a leader and you're influencing the organization because you've transitioned yourself to be a leader versus just managing a set of responsibilities. Yeah, no, that's, that's good stuff. Craig, I know, I know you do the following well, because, you know, we're connected on social media. So, so I see this, how do you recharge your batteries and remain fresh? You obviously have a stressful job, a lot of uh, responsibilities, lots of change, uh, and, but you keep yourself fresh and recharged. How do you do it? (laughs) I, I think, I think some of that is just to do with your attitude. You know, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I do love my work. I love the grind. Uh, I love the changes. I love showing contributions. I love growing and developing people like many of us do. And that's where I take a lot of a lot of my pride into. But it, it really is. Um, I think it's just coming up fresh every day and and being happy that you're that, that you do have another day to serve and that yeah. the day is bright. It's sunny and you're going to start coming in and and uh, making a difference. So. Uh, most of us, you know, our job, our career is uh, the majority of our you know, awake life. You know, some people may sleep more than what they work, but um, at least when you're <laughs> awake, most of your time is going to be spent in some type of job or career or career uh, growth opportunity. And, and so for me, it's, it's like just embrace it, enjoy it, love it. If you don't like it, you know, have the courage to do something else. You know, I, I like the you know, I, I have like you said, three sons and I'm uh, very uh, proud of my boys and, and you've known uh, one of them really well. And, you know, I'm in my second marriage. And so I continue yeah. to learn uh, all parts of my personal life. But I but I love all the different changes that have taken place and all the opportunities that uh, I've been provided and taken advantage of. But when something isn't going well, try to fix it or do something different. You know, I I, I for example, I love the corporate aspect of my role. But I like to think I'm an entrepreneur. I like to think I can go out there on my own. Um, And there's many other people that have transitioned the other way. And, you know, uh, certainly one of my sons in particular, that's his focus. He tried the corporate world. He's like, no, I like kind of running, running my own thing and growing and developing and and doing this piece. And um, I don't have that kind of courage, but I love watching it. I love watching people like you and others that have taken that path. I like thinking that way, but I'm, I'm still... I still like being part of a health system. I still like being part of a, a company. But if I didn't, I'd really need to move somewhere else. 
No, yeah, that's that's really good. I like what you said too about uh, attitude. Uh, that's sometimes what it comes down to. Because yeah, you're right. You get energy from work, so it's not like you have to, you know, cut, you know, be hard and fast about hours. If you like it, I mean, that gives you the energy. So it comes down to attitude. What about bodybuilding? Are you still? I know one of your sons. I've seen you in the gym. You know. Yeah, you know the thing I talk about with um, so I, I I mean you're you know I think you have to be well balanced. I, I enjoy being well balanced. The other night I was talking to my wife and it was getting around seven thirty eight o'clock and it was like man I'm just so tired. I don't I don't feel like going to the gym and I actually started to rest. You know, sit down on the couch and kick back a little bit. Then it was like I'm going to feel awful tomorrow. So, yeah. so I was like I'm tired. I'm taking off. I'm going to the gym. You know, eight thirty at night. There I go. But, um, but I felt great the next day. And once I made that decision and made that action, I was like, I, I'm in my peace zone. You know, this, this I love it. Yeah. Time goes by so fast and uh, it makes me better the next day. So I like that whole balance of, you know, the yeah. things that you do, you know, whether it has to do with emotional or your work or physically yeah. or, or, you know, religiously, just having that, that nice balance of things. And that's yeah. one of the things that me and some of my, uh, my boys enjoy doing. And so we... Um, yeah. We do share that, and I've got so many pictures where we're, wherever we've traveled, I like getting around. I don't get around nowhere near the way that uh, Ed and Simran gets around, but I do get around a little bit. And yeah. uh, there's always pictures of me somewhere at a gym, no matter where yeah. I'm at. <laughs> I like that hour off, so I do enjoy that. Yeah. Very important. No, you're you're a very inspirational leader, Craig. You've helped so many people, so many organizations. We talked about so many things. We talked your personal and professional life, sort of your journey. We talked about Intermountain. We talked about the CDO, how to best prepare to become a CDO so you can easily make that transition from CIO to CDO like you have. Uh, we talked about uh, transitions that people have to go through sometimes in jobs and how to handle that. Then we spoke about leadership. Is there something we missed uh, or something that you want to double down on. I'll give you the last word. Uh, thanks. You know, the one thing I would say that I'm not sure we focus as hard on is truly to network. Uh, the answer is out there somewhere. Uh, and don't feel like you have to have the answer. Just go out there and ask the question because people will give you plenty of answers and you will be able to pick the one that's best fit for your situation. So get out there and network, enjoy the interactions and that kind of uh, high level dialogue with peers, you know, across the country, peers in and outside of your industry, but really network. I think that's really important. Yeah. You and I are both are successful because people who helped us uh, along the way. Yeah. Um, so it's, it definitely is about that networking and that's a good word. Thank you for that. Craig, you are amazing. I expected uh, nothing less, of course. Uh, like I said, uh, I appreciate our friendship. I appreciate just the example that you set for so many people. Uh, around around uh, you know North America and beyond, and uh, so thank you for being our guest on Digital Voices. Thank you, Ed. It's been a privilege. All right, that wraps up another episode of Digital Voices. I hope you enjoy it half as much as I do, because then I know that you really like it. So thank you to our producer Megan. Out for now. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening. 